0: What's up, party people? Welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that name on Twitter or you can find me at the handle Romancing Nancy if you're more interested in just hearing other ridiculous things about Nancy Drew <laughs> whenever I think about updating. uh Today's episode is going to be about the quest of the missing map, which honestly like we're in 1942 now, so that's cool. Like, we're, we've actually entered World War Two. The United States has anyway. So there's, the thing is that the books, in the books, they made the conscious decision not to place them in specific time frames, which is why later they kind of revised it to do away with things like ice boxes and, and talking about people not having phone lines and things like that. That was part of it anyway. So, in this book, the way that you know about that is actually because Nancy can't find a boat. (laughs) This one has a lot to do with boats. Um, And it also has this weird, like, Scooby-Doo quality to it. Like, I honestly feel like if I took any random person in a bar one night and said, hey, what do you think Nancy Drew books are about if you've never read one? And this is kind of probably where their minds would go. So... This one the premise of it is that Nancy comes home one day from her drawing class because I mean of course she's taking drawing class and it feels like she would almost be taking drawing class from like a police sketch artist based on what happens in this book but she's really interested in doing portraits which again because she runs into a lot of bad guys that kind of makes some sense but she runs home and she hears Hannah in the kitchen and Hannah's talking to somebody. So here's the thing Hannah has a life when it's Reasonable to think that it could have something to do with the plot. Um, there's some really interesting shit that goes down with Hannah in the files just based on, like, this would be really cool if this happened. Let's just fill in some backstory for her. Let's retcon some shit. But for this one, um, Hannah is talking to a girl named Ellen who she used to work for Ellen's family before she came to work for the Drews. And the story goes, that like, in the mystery stories anyway, Hannah came to work for the Drews before... Nancy's mom died. Like, that wasn't the reason that Carson hired her. In the files, Carson hires Hannah basically to take care of the house because, you know, his wife has died and he can't handle it. But in this one, it's like Hannah's been with the family for quite a while. But anyway, um, Ellen's about 20, and in this book, it doesn't say. They've stopped alluding to Nancy's age. It's that she's young, um, She's attended high school. She's the secret of the old clock, which is the first one of the series is has been some years ago, but again, they're super vague about her age. Um, Hannah's talking to Ellen and Ellen's trying to think about whether she's going to take a position that's been offered to her. Ellen is super interested in music. And so she's actually attending a music college, but it's expensive and she's taken out loans and her dad was injured in a car accident. And he can no longer work, and so she's just concerned about money because, again, if the Nancy Drew mystery stories teach us anything, it's that we need a fucking robust social safety net, y'all. But anyway, so Ellen's concerned about that, and she's been offered a job, but she's not sure if she should take it. So she's going to Hannah for advice, and Hannah's like you should talk to Nancy. Nancy loves mysterious things. And Nancy's like, hello, catnip, what? So she walks in and she's like, did I hear my name? And Ellen's like, yeah. So, hi. Um, The name of the house that Ellen has been offered a job at is called Rocky Edge, and the name of the woman is Mrs. Chatham. And uh, Mrs. Chatham has a young daughter. Her She's seven years old, and her name is Trixie, which... Is odd. Trixie Belden hadn't yet become a series at this point, but anyway, um, <laughs> also it makes me think of the Trix rabbit, which that's a good association for Trixie. She likes to run off. Um, Trixie's interested in music and Ellen would be kind of like her nanny slash music teacher. And also Mrs. Chatham is just like not great as a person and, Ellen's like, I don't know if I want to work for her, like, I just, it's a lot, also Trixie's seven, and I like kids, but I just don't know, and he's like, well, let's just go out there and meet them, that'll be cool, so they go up, and Mrs. Chatham, like, almost immediately is, like, Trixie does something, and Mrs. Chatham grabs her and pulls her arm, and she's like, oh, Mom, that hurt. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Precious. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, so not great. We're not starting off on a good fit. Um, Ellen is just, she's like, it's really good money. Like, I, mm," she's torn over it. And Nancy, honestly, is not super thrilled about the idea either because, again, Mrs. Chatham seems to be, like, not intentionally malicious honestly but she's really hard to pin down on stuff she's um and also she like talks down in front of Trixie about Trixie she's like oh she's just a willful child she does what she wants she's just you know undisciplined she really you know all this bullshit about her and Nancy's like uh let's go do something else and so she actually um gets Trixie out of the house because she feels like Maybe part of why Trixie's acting this way is because she hears her mom constantly talking shit about her. Which valid. So Nancy's like, Oh, can you just let's let's just walk around for a little bit and so Nancy ends up walking out to what Trixie calls the ship cottage, but Trixie refuses to go inside because she says the place is haunted, which again a catnip, Nancy catnip. So Nancy goes in there and pokes around and she doesn't really see any like it's just basically a storage shed, I guess. But let's back up here. The backstory for Rocky Edge is that it was owned by an inventor who was just completely ridiculous. Like, he did all sorts of shit that doesn't make any sense. It kind of reminds me of that house that Nancy went into that had no interior and just had this tunnel leading out to a giant rock. Like... There's a character in the Discworld series called Bloody Stupid Johnson, and this feels a lot like that, where it's just, like, somebody creating for the sake of creating, but it also seems really deeply mysterious, like, we're not under a Scottish castle in 1757, so what the fuck is this tunnel here for? Because there is a point at which Nancy finds a fucking tunnel. Um, And again, like, Nancy's... Nancy does a lot of tunnel work, like in the staircase like that's one of the things there's a tunnel that goes to another mansion that was built during the civil war like there's there's definitely some themes there but she goes to the ship cottage and um she's already aware that apparently the house is a little bit weird um Trixie says that she saw somebody in the cottage and so that's why she doesn't want to go in there she says it's a ghost and so Nancy's like I'm sure it's not haunted but so she um there's a piano in there. So Nancy sits down and she starts touching keys and nothing happens. And Nancy's like, I was unaware that pianos could be silenced. They're like, that's an interesting thing because the the piano seems to be intact, of course. Um, she pokes around and she's like, I think there are probably some secret passages here, like some interesting stuff here. But then she actually um, sees somebody vanish behind a panel behind her. I guess there's a mirror or something where she glances behind her when she hears movement and the person's like get out of here if you know what's good for you and Nancy's like oh shit so because she's there with Trixie and she's afraid that Trixie's gonna get hurt or something she decides that she's gonna leave it for now but much like the moss-covered mansion that she could not keep away from she ain't gonna leave this shit alone either um she goes back to the house and ellen's like i just don't know about this and nancy's like just tell her that you need like a week to think about it and ellen's like can i have a week and mrs Chen was like oh okay so um nancy decides to go talk to her dad and say you know what are your feelings on this and he's like i don't know i mean from everything you're telling me it sounds kind of sketch because like the place seems fairly remote there's a lot of just like weird stuff in the house Mrs. Chatham is not, like, all that great a person, so, um, a few days later, Ellen's doing a performance at her music college, and Mrs. Chatham's in attendance, and she hears Ellen sing, and she's like, oh my god, you have to teach my daughter, like, I want you to come work for me right away, and Ellen's like, I still need a minute to think about this, and she's like, fine, you have three days, like, she's, she's very impetuous, really, um, Nancy finds out that Mrs. Chatham had a first husband who she lost, apparently, pretty abruptly. Like, he died, and then she got married to Mr. Chatham, and then he died fairly recently, and that was Trixie's dad. So, she's a double widow, and she's only got Trixie, but she refers a lot to, like, being upset about her hus- her first husband's belongings. Like, she's like, yeah, I had to keep him, but, like, it makes me sad to look at him, and so... Nancy's like, maybe this is just the way she's working through her grief, like, she's just not super focused on Trixie and making sure that Trixie's provided for in a positive way, so from that perspective, it would be good for Ellen to be there, so anyway, but Ellen also has, of course, some intrigue to share, so she's talking to Nancy, and she's like, let me tell you about the mystery with my family, and Nancy's like, again, hit me up with some catnip, just hit me. So Ellen takes Nancy back to her house where she meets the father who was injured in the car accident and is in a wheelchair or having mobility issues. So anyway, he can't work. Um, And Ellen's mom, who doesn't seem to be really all that remarkable within the text. um, So she's talking to Ellen's dad and this is what she finds out. Bring out your bingo card. Ellen's dad is a twin. So mark that off. Ellen's dad's twin was lost at sea, so mark that off. Um, So, again, we have a long-lost relative. Um, They haven't seen each other since they were 14, and when they were at sea with their sailor father, and he saw that the ship was probably going to go down, he put the two brothers in separate fucking lifeboats, and he took a treasure map and tore it in half and gave each of them a piece of it. Again, now you've filled up your bingo card. like we've hit everything. Um, so Ellen's dad has half of the treasure map, and he made it so that there's not enough for him to find it without having the other half of the treasure map, so the two brothers have to find each other, get together, put the map two pieces of the map together, and that's how they're going to find the treasure, of course. And of course, as previously mentioned, Ellen's kind of hit up for money her dad can't work, so if they found the treasure, then that would be fantastic, like, it's, again, because we have no robust social safety net, what do they have to depend on is some possible pirate booty, like, it's never said that the father or grandfather, if you're talking about Ellen, is this pirate, but it's just like, how how did you come upon this treasure, I I have some questions involving, like, theft and piracy, it's fine, So, um, Nancy's like, oh, do you still have the half of the map that was given to you when you were 14? And he's like, oh yeah, also, because of course, um, his twin does not look like him. They were fraternal twins, they weren't identical, so that's, that's a little bit of a twist. But anyway, he still has the map, and he tells Nancy that somebody named Mr. Bowers came by earlier and that day and was like, oh, I, I really would love that map, and he offers him $50 for it, which would be like 800 in today's money, and he's like, I just really love map fragments, and the father's like, no, I'm, I'm not interested in selling, but thanks. Which again, $800, like, mm, I mean, it's fine. Um, (laughs) So Nancy, of course, is immediately intrigued. Here's the thing, like, in some of these Nancy Drew books, the second that Nancy finds out that there's a piece of something that's valuable to somebody else, like, she is going to be under constant perpetual surveillance, almost supernatural in strength, until she has recovered everything. And this is one of those cases. So, mr bowers has left but there are we find out by the end of this thing mr bowers is looking for this map. a guy named spike who i always imagine looks like spike from buffy the vampire slayer is also looking for the map although the spike in this book is not as awesome um also we've got mr and mrs brown who are also looking for the map because they're just douchebags like (laughs) it's never really explained what the fuck the connection between any of these people is um Like, Spike was a sailor, and so he knew somebody that was on the ship with the father who tore the map apart, and so he was, like, that's how he found out about that. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, like, thought that they were helping Spike, but then it's, it's all just super fucking convoluted. So anyway, you just have a bunch of bad guys. Just at any moment, imagine that at least two bad guys are in Nancy's proximity, and you would be correct. So, Um, Nancy finds the map, and she, there's a bunch of map copying in this book, so Nancy finds a piece of the map. She makes a copy of it. She then makes another copy of it, because one of the copies gets stolen. Um, She makes a copy and sends it to her dad at his office. Um, At one point, after she's recovered the other part of the map, she makes a copy of that, but she makes it incorrectly. At one point, Hannah makes a copy of a map and makes it incorrectly, because one of the bad guys is asking for it, so yeah, there's just a bunch of map fragments that we're not quite sure of of whether they're correct or not. Like, it's fine. So, um, Nancy has a fragment of the map and she is on her way to Emerson to meet Ned for a dance because the best thing ever is going to happen in this book. And you're like, they're finally going to bang. And I love where your head's at. Um, she's going up to Emerson. I think she's on a train actually at this point, and she sees that the couple is stalking her basically they know that she's got a map fragment in her purse, and so she manages to take the map fragment. this is the one that she got from Ellen's dad. She takes it, copies it, like shuts herself into a phone booth and copies the thing in a department store. There's a department store with phone booths, so she copies it, puts it in her pocket, and then the jackasses pickpocket her and steal her purse but um the per the thing was not in her purse she was like well I lost my compact so there's that but she had actually put the map in her pocket at that point she calls Ned from the train station and she's like there's some people chasing me and um could you possibly come here and pick me up and he's like girl I am there and so he hops on the train immediately he gets on the next train out there, and as the train's pulling in, Nancy's so excited to see Ned that she does not keep a watch on her pocketbook, and that's how it gets stolen, so the person who snatches it, like, fades into the crowd, and she's like, oh, not my pocketbook, but, you know, it's fine, she just had to make a show of it, and Ned's like, are you okay, and she's like, I'm great now, honey bun, so they go back to Emerson for a night, like, she's just going over there for a night, do you remember in Nancy's mysterious letter that it took them like a fucking day almost to get to Emerson like a good solid five-hour drive or whatever the fuck and then she's like I'm just gonna take a quick train jaunt to go up for just the day it's fine so she gets up to Emerson and they're having some sort of weird thing that's going on with the dance like they're having theatricals or whatever the fuck and I think that it's fine uh Ned introduces Nancy to his friend who has the same last name that Ellen's dad was born with because he doesn't go by his birth name he was adopted by a family named Smith and so that's what he goes by but his actual last name was Tomlin so he just goes by Tomlin Smith and this guy's name is Bill Tomlin and Nancy's like Tomlin, tell me everything about that last name. And he's like, oh, well, I don't really know that much about it. Um, I just know that there are people in my family who really like to go sailing. And Nancy's like, tell me everything. But while they're at the dance, of course, the people that are in charge stand up on the stage and they're like, hey, um, so as everyone knows, we like to crown a queen of the dance. And you already know what's going to happen here. You already know it um they're like we we crown the most popular most wonderful girl and would nancy drew come up to the stage and everyone's like oh my god and nancy's like what the okay and so she actually goes up there and she gets crowned with like a fucking sash and everything and she gets to sit there in in a throne and just just sit up there rocking it the thing that i think is hilarious because this actually happens to her at other points during the series, but this is the first time that this has happened where she just goes up and she just gets crowned queen of a dance just by being in attendance because that's how hard she rocks. So she's sitting up there like looking around, and Ned, of course, is going with pride because yeah, that's my girl. That's my girl up there kicking all y'all's asses, being queen of this fucking dance. So she's sitting up there, and all of a sudden the lights go out, and when the lights come back up, she's gone, and Ned's like, "Fuck no." the guy who's in charge is like oh it was just a prank I don't know and then Ned's like no it fucking wasn't a prank and the guy's like yeah you're right it wasn't a prank we don't know where the fuck she is we just didn't want anyone to panic and Ned's like what the fuck so you remember that couple that I was talking about earlier the Browns who um stole her purse well they followed her ass up to Emerson were looking for a prime opportunity to steal her and just cut the lights and just snatched her out of a dance like I've got some follow-up questions, honey. Why wouldn't you just wait until she's back at the fucking Omega house and just steal her ass from there? It's fine. You were just in a hurry. And also, that is super dramatic, and I love it. I love that you're just here to just start shit. So, they like... S- actually what they do is they approach her and they're like come with us and she thinks that it's part of the dance and so she goes willingly and then she sees who they are and she's like oh fuck no but by then they've got her in the car and so they're like you're gonna give us the map or we're gonna do bad things and nancy's like oh well i'm just why the fuck would you think i would have it with me when i'm at a fucking dance you morons and they're like That's a solid point. So the car slows down at an intersection and she like throws herself out of the car, as one would, as I've planned to do on several occasions when I was like, I no longer want to be in this fucking vehicle. So she flings herself out and there's a car that comes up right behind them. And so they speed off because they don't want to be caught. And it's a farmer and the farmer's wife (laughs) is like, Oh shit, it's a ghost, run. And her, Nancy's like, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a ghost. (laughs) Um, I think that she had selected, I think it was actually the, maybe the robe that they put on her when she was crowned queen was a white robe. But anyway, she was like, no, nah, I'm just, I was at a dance and, and I, I'm queen of the dance and I got kidnapped and can you please just take me back to the dance? And the farmer's like, oh, sure, because what the fuck? So... Uh, they load Nancy up in the van and in their truck and they take her back to the dance and of course Ned like springs out of the bushes and is like oh my god you're okay and Nancy's like yeah I'm I'm fine and they're like oh shit so and the next day Nancy just goes home (laughs) now of course for those of you who are inclined the way I am of course Ned would be overcome with emotion seeing his girlfriend return to him after being abducted She's just been crowned queen of the dance, and she is queen of your heart. Clearly, y'all need to bang this out. You need to, just to work through all the pain and and sadness you felt when she was gone. But anyway, she goes home. Uh, (laughs) So, Nancy has decided at this point that, yeah, Ellen should go ahead and take the job, like babysitting Trixie, basically, and because she's kind of curious about the house, honestly, um she goes into the ship cottage and Mrs. Chatham tells Nancy that a bunch of her first husband's belongings are in the ship cottage. Um he he was a ship captain she eventually finds out and he's got little models of ships as well. So there's that and also there's some storage space in there that's got some like there's a secret way to get into it that Nancy finds where you have to like take a peg out of a wall. Please understand that if you tell Nancy that there's a secret something anywhere she's immediately like i want to know absolutely everything about this so but she's also that intruder that she saw she's like clearly somebody else wants to be in here which means there's something in here that's worth something but the place is fucking booby trapped like the inventor who built that house who has like the most ridiculous it sounds like a porn act like alias or whatever the fuck it's like Norse goddess or something. Anyway, um, Silas Norse, I think it is. Um, because, of course, he's got a beard and he don't want you to know his real name because it's going to get weird. Nancy actually finds out after she goes to do some research on the house that apparently Spike, who you will remember from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, broke into Silas's house and then tried to sue him because he was injured in the process of trying to burglarize the fucking house, which, wow, way to be fucking entitled, Spike, um, he got, like, trapped in a secret passage or some shit, and was like, he owes me damages, because how was I to know that I would be injured in a secret passage when burglarizing another person's house, um, which he lost the case, but anyway, so, Nancy knows that his name has been associated with the house and also that he's not all that good a guy, of course. His name is Spike. What do you expect? Um, it's fine. In the meantime, of course, the Browns are following Nancy everywhere she fucking goes. It's just like seriously. Oh my god, y'all. Oh my god. Um after Ellen decides that she's going to babysit Trixie, like there's a day that Trixie is missing and then they get this ransom note. And of course, um, Mrs. Chatham freaks out immediately. She's like, oh my God, oh, it asked for $1,000, which I looked up and that's like just over like 18000 in today's money, which again, way to ask for a modest ransom, y'all. Um, so they're like, give us $1,000 and she'll be returned to you. And Nancy's like, uh I've got a hunch that she's still here and don't pay the ransom so she goes to look for Trixie and she opens the secret passage in the ship cabin the ship cottage and she sees Trixie there and she's like oh Trixie but then like she gets knocked on her ass when she wakes up Trixie's like oh my god I didn't mean to hit you I thought you were the bad guy coming back and Nancy's like oh snap a seven-year-old took me out (laughs) and she did um so she wakes up and she unties Trixie and they get back to the house and she's like oh my god you're safe thank god the kidnapper didn't lie and Nancy's like what do you mean the kidnapper didn't lie and Mrs. Chatham's like so I paid the ransom and Nancy's like I fucking told you not to shit how recently and she's like oh 15 minutes ago and Nancy's like then maybe we can catch up to them because apparently the person who collected the ransom was on a fucking bicycle because otherwise you'd be like they could be long gone by now but no it's a bicycle it's got a limited range so nancy actually goes into town too of course of course the town has a fucking bicycle rental shop of course it does and the guy's like oh yeah i rented a bike to a guy like an hour ago and Nancy's like okay and then of course they have a costume shop as well it's 19 fucking 42 what the fuck are you guys doing although i know the answer to that and it's putting on radio shows um The people who run the costume place were like, oh, yeah, we rented out a messenger costume. And you're like, again, I have several thousand questions. Why do you have a messenger costume? Is there just a bunch of cosplay that happens in this town? Like, there's a bunch of married couples who are like, I just want to spy some shit up. And we're just going to, you're going to play messenger boy. And we're just going to see how that plays out. The cops actually catch the bicycle messenger pretty quickly, honestly. And... I think that he doesn't have the money on him by that point because he's already passed it off and he refuses to talk. And then eventually he's like, I don't want to take the fall for this. And so he tells Nancy that Spike is the one who put him up to it. So that's the person he passed the money off to. And Nancy's like, yeah, that tracks. Like, everything about this tracks. Um, In the meantime, when they're searching the ship cottage, trying to find if there's anything, any clues about anything that they could possibly find, because as you've already figured out, Mrs. Chatham's first husband was the long-lost twin. He died at sea like 10 years ago or whatever the hell. So he's dead now. But Nancy's like, "Well, now we need to find his half of the treasure map." And Mrs. Chatham's like, "Yes, I'm I'm 100% here for that." Mrs. Chatham is like really well off, like that's not a question. Like when she had to pay the fucking $1,000 ransom for Trixie, she just happened to have that in a safe in her house. She's like, oh, yes, I just went to my bedroom safe and got out $1,000. Like, fucking hell, y'all. Just fucking hell. Um, There's one point, and we'll do this right before we get to the break, where um, it's like she's not super concerned about house security, so um even though there's been a prowler around and Nancy's like maybe you should hire some guards um Mrs. Chatham just asks her existing staff who Nancy is not impressed by at all she's like oh do you guys know anybody who might want some work on the side and they're like oh yeah we know two guys and the two guys come out to provide quote-unquote security and when they come back to the house to check on something they're gone and Nancy's like so where's the security guys and Mrs. Chatham's like oh oh, yeah, where's the security guys? And the gardener's are like, oh, they found better jobs, so they left. And you're like, wow, like, uh, cool, 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 cool. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, while they're searching the ship cottage, Nancy finds this little tin box that has a safe deposit key in it. Of course, of course it does, because we're only like halfway through the book at this point. And the safe deposit key goes to a deposit box that's in New York, because, of course, like, River Heights in New York is all day, every day, like, I don't understand why Nancy doesn't just live halfway between, but it's fine, so she asks Mrs. Chatham, and Mrs. Chatham's like, well, I hate traveling by automobile, and this is when Nancy's like, maybe you and Trixie should get out of the house while people are constantly trying to break in, and Mrs. Chatham's like, well, I hate going in the car anywhere. I don't know where I would take Trixie if we were going to get on a plane. Like, it would be cool if we went on a boat, but I, would, I wouldn't want to be surrounded by strangers. And Anyway, so she's super picky about everything. Um, but she's fine with taking a plane trip to New York to check out the contents of the safe deposit box. So, let's start with that after the break. Let's start with them heading to New York to see what happens. Okay, we're back from our break. Nancy and Mrs. Chatham are on their way to New York to check out the safe deposit box when um, they reach the airport and get a call that says, oh, you need to call home immediately because Trixie's missing. And Nancy's like, are you fucking serious? So they call and the people at the house are like, we don't know where she is. She vanished. And so they head back and they're searching everywhere for her. And Nancy's like, I've got a feeling. So she goes outside and looks and the trunk of the car has been popped and she finds Trixie hiding in the bushes because Trixie wanted to go with them and when she was told that she could not go with them because she again is like really hard to control um she packed herself a little bag and hid in the trunk of the car which is actually really cute but anyway so she couldn't get out of the car fast enough to like sneak onto the plane with Trixie had no idea how the fuck that was going to play out but anyway so that's what happened that's why Trixie was missing so Nancy's like look please promise me that you're not going to run away while we're gone. And Trixie's like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to run away. It's fine. And AC's like, okay. So, so they get back to the, airport to take off for new york and they just missed their plane now right before they pull up mr bellows pulls up and he's like hey my friend mrs chatham was gonna take a plane to new york um is she on the plane and the person who was at the gate like has already checked them in so they don't remember that they're not there anymore they're like oh yeah they're on this plane so mr bellows gets on the plane but nancy and mrs chatham do not And so Nancy's like, actually, because the ticket guy's like, oh, snap, the person who just got on the plane thought that you, oh, no. And Nancy's like, oh, can you describe this person? And she figures out that it's one of the bad guys. And she's like, well, that actually worked out in our favor, even though now we have to sit on our happy asses and wait for another plane. Um, but just then, because of course, Nancy's father, the inventor of Toaster Strudel, knows everyone in River Heights. And one of his very wealthy clients, who has a private plane that he likes to take back and forth to New York, rolls up at the airport. And Nancy's like, oh, hey, I know him. Hmm. So she's she calls him over and she's like, hey. And he's like, hey, I was about to take off for New York. And Nancy's like, what a coincidence. That is where we were going, but we had a slight emergency. And so we're going to have to take a later plane. And the guy's like oh my God, ride with me. Like I was going to be lonely and this is going to be fantastic and we can do each other's nails and it's going to be great. So Nancy's like, fuck yeah. So they also accept an invitation from the guy and his wife to stay in their penthouse suite because of course they do. Oh my God. Champagne. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so they go to the bank and Mrs. Chatham's like, oh my God, I I hope they don't think that I'm trying to steal the contents of the And Nancy's like, it's fine. Look, my dad got your papers ready. He is fantastic. It's going to be great. So they talk to the bank people and they're like, yeah, we're going to have to like thoroughly check this over and we'll get back to you in the morning. And Nancy's like, we did not intend on spending a lot of time here. So like if you could get on it, that would be fantastic. So the next morning when they get up, yeah, the, they are allowed to get into the safe deposit box. Although there is a person with the IRS who's sitting there. And Nancy's like, pourquoi? And they're like, oh, he's here to look at it for tax reasons. Which, what? I mean, technically, I guess because it's like part of an inheritance. Because she's claiming it as his survivor. But anyway, it's fine. The very first thing is like an envelope that clearly includes the piece of the missing map. And Nancy is so fucking excited when they open it. And she's like, oh my god, this is going to be great. And, and then when they open it, it's a letter in his handwriting, and it is not the map piece, and Nancy is bitterly disappointed. Um, so it says that he, he had the map that his father gave him when he, you know, was a right before that storm that his father was killed in. And he realized that somebody was trying to steal it, so he had made a copy of it, and that copy was stolen the night before he wrote his letter. So he has taken his half of the map, and he has hidden it in the Warwick. Is what he says And Nancy's like Warwick? And she's like Yeah that's the ship that he was in that went down actually And Nancy's like Fuck Why would he take the part of the map that he had And hide it on the same ship that he knew somebody was trying to steal it from him on Huh Huh so they think about it for a while, and they realize that he may have been referring to the little ship models that he liked to have. So he's got a bunch of those back at the house, which they have just basically ignored up to this point. And Mrs. Chatham's like, oh my god, yeah, I, I bet it's in one of those. So they go back to the house, they go back to the ship cottage, and they're looking through all those ships, and they don't find one that says Warwick at all. And Nancy's like, son of a fucking bitch, are there any other ships, anymore?" Anymore, anywhere. And Mrs. Chan was like, well, I sold some. And Nancy's like, are you fucking serious? You sold? Oh, my God. Like, I thought you kept all of your first husband's stuff. And she was like, yeah, but there were like a fuck ton of ships and sorry. And Nancy's like, well, do you, do you know like who you sold them to? And she's like, oh, yeah, I kept a list. And Nancy's like, great. And she's like, but I didn't write down the names of the ships, just the names of the people. And Nancy's like, well, at least that's something. So, they go to the first guy on the list, who is incredibly deaf, and so Nancy has to basically shout things at him for him to not miss, because he misunderstands, like, everything that she says. They get his ship, and they examine it, and it says, formerly the Warwick, so it was renamed at some point, the little model ship that he has, but they don't find any hidden anything in it. The next person on the list that they go see... um mentions that oh apparently there's a lot of people looking for ships with that name model ships with that name because he just saw an ad in the newspaper for it a few days ago and nancy's like okay what the fuck i mean clearly and this is obvious from the number of times that nancy's followed different places um they're keeping tabs on her like constantly. If she's at rocky edge, like there's a bunch of hidden passages and secret places where, you know, anybody could be hiding and listening. And so pretty much every conversation she has in this book is not secret. So... They go to this guy's house. The ship says it's the Warwick. Nancy gets super fucking excited. And she's like, okay, so can can we look at it? And the guy's like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to part with it. And Nancy's like, we, we'll bring it right back. And he's like, okay, you can have it. It's fine. I just thought that you were going to sell it at a profit. And they're like, no, we were just going to... Never mind, nothing, buy." So they take the ship. They've actually packed a picnic lunch Nancy, Bess, and George have. And they get in their car, they go like a mile down the road, pull off, search the ship, find the map, and then they're like, now let's go have our picnic, and they leave the ship in the front seat of the car, like, oh my god, oh my god, so of course, because the dipshits are right behind them, uh, Mr. Brown sneaks up to their car, steals the ship, and then siphons off their fucking gas, just in case, just for good measure, and leaves, and so they have a nice leisurely picnic, not knowing every minute that these complete dipshits are getting further and further away. They go back to the car and George is like, "What? we left the ship right here. Like, what the fuck? And Nancy's like, yeah, I had a feeling something like this might happen. So, um, yeah, the copy of the map was in my purse all the time. So that's cool. I also forgot to mention this because this was really fucking weird. Um... When they're on the way to the town to search for model ships, um, there's an elephant in the fucking road, which it has rained and it's just been super misty and just bad conditions. And Bess is like, I'm thinking this trip is cursed. And then there's a fucking elephant in the road, like the biggest symbolism you could possibly imagine. So, Nancy stops the car and she's like, well, I'll just, like, encourage it to get out of the road. And Bess is like, what the fuck? No, no, you are not going to fucking encourage an elephant to get out of the road. What the fuck? So, the elephant's trainer comes up and is like, oh, I was looking for you. And Nancy's like, you seem super casual about this, as though it's a thing that happens often. And the guy's like, yeah, whenever we come around this place in the traveling circus, again, there are so many traveling circuses in this book. and in, in all of these books. Um... Whenever they come around here, Old Tom, which is the name of the blanking elephant, um, <laughs> Old Tom likes to get loose and looks for look for his enemy. And Nancy's like, Hit, the elephant has an enemy? Oh, okay. And the trainer's like, Yeah, this guy named Spike apparently started some shit with him. And elephants, they hold grudges. Like that's a thing you need to know. If an elephant has a grudge over you, you better run. <laughs> and Nancy's like, Oh. A guy named Spike was a bitch to an elephant. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. I'm just going to spoil this for you. The elephant never pops up again. <laughs> it's just a fucking elephant in the middle of the road. <laughs> Poor Bess. Anyway, so Nacy's got the other half of the map. Um, She's got the first half of the map still. There was... Um, During that entire incident, whenever she was um, being pursued and she got Ned to kind of get her on the train, um, when she made a copy of the map, she mailed one to her father's office, which I love because it's a Perry Mason strategy that he used all the time. Like if he had a piece of evidence that he needed to make sure was not on his person for cop reasons, he would always mail it to his own office because the cops couldn't interfere with the mail, which genius. Um, Anyway, so that's what Nancy does. She mails it to her father so that he'll have it. So, Nancy's got both sides of the map now, so they can figure out what's going on. Um, The name of the actual island is a little bit illegible, so they're not quite sure what exactly it says, and then she's like, there was something card on the bottom of that ship, and I think that's probably a clue, and anyway, so she gets a note that's badly written that night, like, the grammar and spelling are atrocious, and it's like, I'm sorry I stole your ship, I want to return it, please come to... Forty-seven White Street on foot, and Nancy's like, "Oh, well, I thought that jackass couple stole it, but this badly written note tells me that maybe it was a child." And Hannah's like, "Um, you're not gonna walk to White Street like that is a super sketch part of town. You are not going to walk there." And Nancy's like, "Well, I'll just take the car we buy," and I'm like, "Okay, first off, fuck. Second, people can choose to write with bad grammar, like." for trap reasons so anyway nancy decides that she's going to be really cautious and not going to the building like that's that's her decision on how she's going to protect herself from certain danger and there's a little kid sitting on the front stoop of the building when she pulls up and he's like hey you were supposed to come on foot and nancy's like yeah um but i didn't so where's the ship and the little boy's like well I need five dollars and then I'll give you the ship and Nancy's like uh no you bring me the ship and then I'll give you the five dollars that's that's how we're gonna handle this and he's like well it's for my sick grandma and it's upstairs so I'm not gonna give you the ship unless you come upstairs and talk to her and then he goes in the house and Nancy's like Uff, okay which again what the fuck like none of this none of this really tracks but it's fine so she goes into the house the little boy leads her upstairs and he's like "Here's my grandma and just shuts the door and of course it's the couple so the woman springs out of bed and grabs nancy and the husband springs out of the closet and grabs nancy and they tie her up and they take her through a secret passage that goes to the next house like what the fuck what the literal fuck is every single residence business manhole cover in river heights just a fucking secret passage is this like the clue mansion but anyway so they take her through a secret passage to the next house just in case somebody comes to search the first house and they actually move her car so that it will not be obvious that that's where she is because they've got they've had some time to think about this um they know that nancy doesn't have the map like i can't remember if they search her if they ask her but they are pretty sure it's back at her house, so they have Nancy write a note to Hannah, asking Hannah to give the map to the bearer of the letter, but Nancy writes, give the copy of the map, and she's really hoping, she says, like, I'm going to shoot some really hard brain waves at this letter, and hope that Hannah picks up on it, and that she gives them a bad copy, like, that's her grand strategy. And, of course, it pays off because that's exactly what happens. So, she writes the letter. Um, Hannah gets it, and she's like, hmm, sketch. So, she draws a bad copy of the map and gives that to him. In the meantime, um, Ned and Carson are looking for Nancy because they come home, and Hannah's like, yeah, she said she was going to go to a sketchy part of town, and she is not back yet. So, they go to the address because Hannah still remembers what the address was, and there's no one there, period. The little guy's gone, there's no one there at all. Um, they search the room and they see the little ship model is on the floor and it's been broken. And so they're like, okay, they were here. And they find an ornamental button that Nancy was wearing earlier that day. So they're like, okay. So yeah, some shit went down. Eventually, they find the secret passage and it's like, let's break it down. <laughs> His woman is in danger, y'all. His woman is in danger. Also, I again, I love that. Carson and Ned are turning this into a buddy cop comedy where they're like we're going to pair up to save the woman that we both love one of us in a family way and the other in a deeply deeply sexy way um so yeah Ned's like let's just break it down and Carson's like and alert them that we're here no let's let's find another way in that does not involve breaking it down Hulk so they eventually get into the other place and find Nancy and untie her and Nancy's like oh my god please tell me that they, they didn't get the actual map uh, they go home, and Hannah's like, no, I figured out that you wanted me to make them an accurate copy, so there's that, and Nancy's like, oh, thank God, around the same time, actually, Nancy goes to visit at Rocky Edge again, because, again, that place is fucking catnip to her, there's one point where Trixie falls down into a hole that wasn't there before, like, that super sketch, and they find this enormous piece of equipment that says this could kill you on it and they're like sure sure and it says please consult instructor's manual (laughs) (laughs) and nancy's like what the literal fuck so they go a little further down the tunnel and they find a door that has of course the instruction manual tucked into it and it's like I have not yet finished this device, but I think that the War Department would really love it. And so if no one has done anything with it within two years of my death, it will become inert, but they can still check it out and see if they would like to maybe take this design and improve upon it. And Nancy's like, that seems perfectly reasonable. Let me contact the War Department. (laughs) There's no indicate. It just says that it's deadly, that it could kill somebody if they handle it inappropriately. And Nancy's like, "This sounds like the perfect thing to turn over to the War Department." Sure, honey. Um, so yeah, so that's what happens when Trixie falls into that hole. Um, then Trixie goes missing, and they don't know where she is. And Nancy drives down the road and finds her accompanied by a weather-beaten sailor they're just chatting they're just talking about ocean things and nancy's like what the fuck are you? honey you can't just wander off with random sailors like oh my god and the sailor's like oh we were just talking about ships like and because he has a kindly weathered face nancy's like okay that's legit what she finds out is that the sailor works on a ship because remember how i told you that world war Two is a thing in this book um once they dis- they found enough of, like, the map is put together enough that they're pretty sure they can find the island, and it's called Little Palm Island. Palm is the word that Nancy remembered was inscribed on the bottom of the boat. Um, they find it on a map. They're like, okay, now we know where it is, and now we've got the instructions for how to find the treasure, but they can't find a fucking boat that will take them there because all the boats have been pressed into service for World War II, which was actually a pretty cool thing. Like, I, it's subtle, but I thought it was really interesting that that was the way they handled that. Like, she doesn't want to charter a plane to do it. She wants to take a, a boat ride. And also, Mrs. Chatham says that she would be happy to bankroll it. Like, she thinks that would be an exciting adventure. And even if it results in nothing, like, it's still something fun to do. I mean, Trixie is go- has cabin fever, and she just needs to go out and do some things. So... So they take Trixie, they take Mrs. Chatham, they take Ellen and her family. Ned comes along, Bess and George come along, Carson does not. He's got shit to do. Um, There's one point in this book, actually, where um, Ellen calls Nancy and she's like, I keep hearing tapping in the walls and it's super sketchy. And Nancy's like, just like Clue and the Tapping Heels, maybe see if a boy who will be miraculously saved by a delicate but expensive operation is hiding in the cellar with some cats. (laughs) I'm just saying, I know that's an oddly specific situation, but no, it's, it's clearly like the intruders who are still searching for clues for the treasure or whatever the fuck they can find. Um, so Nancy says, well, why not invite Hannah over because my dad's not home. So she's got nothing to do tonight. And Hannah goes over And the staff actually fucking rebels and is like, we are not going to feed her. And so Hannah's like, then I'm going the fuck home. Like, (laughs) and Ellen had something to do. She had like a recital that night or something. And that was one of the times that Trixie disappeared. Because the house staff cannot be bothered at fucking all to do anything. Like, oh my God. Seriously. So. So, they all decide that they're going to go on, and they use this word very, several times, they're going to go on a gale boat ride on a ship. It's, this one's called the Primrose, actually. They're going to go on the Primrose to find Little Palm Island to find the treasure that the sea captain left his two, his twin sons. There's a little interlude. Occasionally, these books break... They do third-person limited almost all the time to whatever Nancy's doing, but occasionally it'll shift to the villain's point of view, and so it shifts to that, and so you know that Spike is talking to somebody. Now, Nancy knows what Spike looks like, but he's talking to somebody, he's like, okay, I'm going to get there first. You delay them, and this guy's name is Snorky, I think, which made me think of those little things that were like the Smurfs but had the snorkels on their heads. Um good times 80s um so he's on the primrose with nancy and her friends and everybody and spike is on another ship that it, he's hoping we'll get to little palm island first because again there's been so many copies of the map floating around that he's pretty sure that they've got enough evidence they've got enough of the clues to get there so it turns out that snouty Jackass. I'm just gonna call him Jackass from here on out. Um, it turns out the Jackass, like, first the first thing that he does actually is he steers the boat off course because he needs to buy the Spike some time. Uh, Nancy and her friends figure that out fairly quickly. Actually, like, Nancy, Ned's like, "Let's go confront his ass. Like, I'm not here for this shit. We we got shit to do. We got treasure to find, and I've got drafts to elude. So it's fine." spoiler alert, he's not going to, he does get drafted, um, not in this book, but they go talk to Jackass, and Jackass is like, I don't know what you're talking about, like, I'm, I'm on the right path, because he has poisoned the captain and the first mate, so that they will not know what he's doing while he's steering the boat off course, so awkward, so Nancy goes and searches Jackass's bedding, and she finds a envelope full of a mysterious powder that she's pretty sure is poison and so she takes that envelope and swaps it out with salt because she's she has an experiment um Ned and his friend decide to take over steering the boat so his friend gets mildly ill and then the next meal Ned complains that his food is very salty and Nancy's like okay so jackass tried to poison you like that's cool that's that's how that went down they go talk to the cook who of course is black oh my god and he's of course jolly because holy shit can we not be racist for like 12 seconds but they have enough time to observe him they're like oh he doesn't seem to have any knowledge or anything about this like he doesn't seem to be involved in the poisoning whatsoever This this is all jackass so after they catch jackass um, Nancy finds him like trying to sneak some food out of the galley and she's like okay that's bad like I have a bad feeling he's poisoned like everything and is like taking the good food into his cabin so that he will- he'll have access to it while everybody else is super fucking sick so they ask him to taste everything that's in the kitchen and he refuses to taste the soup he tastes everything else so they're like okay throw the soup out Um, they confine him to quarters, but of course, once they get close to shore, he magically escapes from his quarters, because of course he fucking does, and he, like, jumps off the fucking boat and swims in shark-infested waters to get to the island, because that's just how we roll here. Nancy is not going to go up against anybody commonplace, y'all. She is here for, like, people who have zero regard for their own safety, and she's, she's still going to kick their asses. So, Jackass makes it to the island. Um, Ned goes with a scouting party. Like, they leave the girls behind on the boat. And Ned goes out there with the captain. And they go scout the place out. And they're like, okay, so funny story. There's a lot of places on the beach where clearly people have been digging. So that's nice. But we are pretty sure they haven't found it yet. So that's cool. Then this guy comes out. And he's like... I don't want anybody digging on my property, this is my property, this is my island, and Nancy and her friends are like, but the, that we're looking for a a thing that this guy buried a while back, I mean, it's, it's probably nothing, and the guy's like, I don't care, I don't want anybody digging on my property, you need to get the fuck out, and Nancy's like, okay, that's fair, and her friends are like, what, what do you mean that's fair, like, we, what, and she's like, come on, come on, So they go back to the ship and Nancy's like okay I got a real bad feeling because this guy who says he's the owner of the island like he keeps trying to basically obscure himself from me like he's trying to keep to where I can't see his face. So I think he's an imposter. So let's go to the house where this guy supposedly lives and let's see if he's actually who he says he is. So they go up there. Nancy takes Ned and Bill with her. Bill, who is the Tomlin relative, so he's related to Ellen and her family, he's like a cousin, I think, I never, I never quite figured it out, it's fine, um, so she takes them up there, and the first thing they see when they peek into the back of the house is a woman chained to a fucking bed by her ankle, and Nancy's like, Okay, yeah, we're definitely in like kidnapping and imposter territory. So she breaks into the house and she can't break the lock because she needs the key. But she's like, "We're gonna get you out of here." And the woman's like, "My husband and my son are also tied up, and please help us." And Nancy's like, uh, "Okay." So they do find the guy who, as soon as they whip his hat off, just like he's a Scooby D villain. He's like, "Oh my god!" And Nancy's like, "It's Mr. Bowers. It's it's one of the bad guys all along." And he's like yeah so anyway um they free the people who actually own the place and they're like are you cool with us digging and they're like take everything I mean you freed us and that was super scary so thank you so Nancy and her friends actually go back to the boat because it's really fucking late at night at that point and Nancy doesn't wake up for a damn long time she wakes up in the morning she's like it's nine o'clock and I'm like that's a good morning to wake up at nine o'clock feeling refreshed oh my god oh my god um by that point Trixie actually has grabbed her little shovel and she's like let's go look for treasure I, I found the map in Nancy's room but she picked up the wrong map so Trixie let everybody out there and she had the wrong map she had one of the fake copies so by the time Nancy and Bess and George get up and get out to the island like it's they have dug so many different places. Ned is slam wore more out. He's like, I are you sure? Like, did is it possible that somebody else came here and dug it up? We don't know what's going on. And Nancy's like, so the copy of the map you're using is wrong. And they're like, what the fuck? So she, like, had reversed reverse the direction. So she pulls it up, and she's like, okay, so we need to take seven steps this way and blah, blah. Um, So they do actually dig up the treasure. I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it at this point. Um, they open the treasure chest, and it's full of, like, gold and silver and jewelry, and the booty that Nancy's given is, like, this beautiful jeweled bracelet. Like, it's the most beautiful piece of the entire collection. This is 1942. There is zero reckoning with where the fuck this came from. Like, where did he get this? How did he have this? Um was he maybe diving for wreckage from previous ships? Like what where the fuck did any of this come from? Thankfully it doesn't turn them all into skeletons in moonlight. It's fine. Um <laughs> So anyway, there's they dig it up and of course Ellen and her family are overjoyed because they get half of the treasure and this means that um Ellen's college is paid for and they won't be destitute anymore and so they're so excited and Ellen's like and we owe it all to you and Nancy's like no no everybody here is is partially responsible for this y'all did great it was it was just fantastic so yeah that's how the book ends with them on a treasure hunt on a deserted island having located the treasure because I mean if you were going to do like a stereotypical Nancy Drew mystery. Like, I feel like this might be where your brain might go if you only know Nancy through pop culture. It's like, oh, she finds maps and secret passages and treasures and things. And there are definitely a lot of books where that happens. But this is the only one that I can think of where it's like really straightforward, like, and you're going to find like a bucket of gold and jewels and silver and it's going to be fantastic. Like, and again, you don't even know where the fuck it came from. Like, there's other ones where it's like a family heirloom that's been passed down, and this is just like, no, no, I just, this is my accumulated treasure. And instead of doing a a sensible thing and, like, putting it into a fucking safe deposit box, which I clearly have one of, um, I'm just going to bury it in the sand and then take a map and tear it in two and give it to two 14-year-olds and hope that later they will find each other after having been separated on lifeboats. Like, oh my god you're making a lot of bad choices clearly Um, they talked to the villains and of course the villains were like yeah I found out from somebody who was on a ship with the guy who split up the map and I told these people and they told these people and so anyway so Nancy finds out that like yeah they were all kind of in it together although the browns the couple that kept like chasing her just seemed like jackasses really like eh There's one point where they open the safe deposit box and there's the letter from the deceased sea captain and Nancy, the ghostwriter is like, and then Nancy read over it and she was satisfied that it was who he was, who she thought he was. And you're like, I love that you're like, you know, who doesn't have time for this shit? (laughs) Me, bitches. (laughs) Like, imagine some evidence that would be compelling to you and that's what was there and... I love that. I do love that. The next book that we're going to be reading, this is the last one for the season, is going to be The Clue in the Jewel Box, which actually is really cool. Then we're going to pick up with season four, which is going to be back with the Nancy Drew Files, which, as I've discussed before, I am fucking stoked about. But interestingly, for season five, we're going to pick up with The Secret in the Old Attic, which I fucking love. I love that one so much. Like it's going to be real good, y'all, so, so you're going to tune in for that next week, that's going to be the clue in the jewel box, and as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.